What's up and welcome to CEO Skills Radio. I'm your host, Nina, a New York-based lawyer and former lobbyist, aka a networking and negotiating pro. A few years ago, I left my high-powered lobbying firm to travel the world and start my own company. And along the way, I met a lot of fellow entrepreneurs who had no access to legal protections and no information about the traditional skills you need to create a scalable and sustainable business. So join me each week as we talk about these CEO skills, focusing on five different departments that you need to build a solid business foundation for your coaching or consulting company. such as your marketing, your sales department, your admin, your legal financial, your systems, your operations, and last but not least, your team and community leadership. I know it sounds overwhelming, but don't worry, I will help you stay organized, I promise. So let's dive in to talk about one of these topics in depth. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to CEO Skills Radio Podcast. Today is another interview with an exciting guest, and today we have Charlotte Smith from The Limitless Lawyer, and this episode is going to be more focused to uh, more focused on conversations that are relevant in particular to lawyers, but it's also a great Uh, episode to listen to if you're someone who plans on hiring a team one day or managing a team, because we'll talk a lot about leadership. And I'm sure we'll talk a lot about finding balance and things that I know Charlotte and I have talked about offline, um, off the record when we had our initial conversation. So stay tuned. Even if you're not aware, you'll probably have some amazing takeaways from this episode. And with that, I will open up the floor to Charlotte to give us a introduction as to who she is and what she does. Well, firstly, I want to say thank you so much, Nina, for inviting me on the show. I have been following your content on Instagram for quite some time and, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a true honor to be on the show today and having this conversation with you. Yeah, thanks, of course. And it's always nice to meet another like-minded lawyer. I know when I first started out on this space, there wasn't many people who were using social media as a lawyer. So the yeah. community was very small, even from the get-go. And now it's like growing, but it's still quite small. And what I think is really interesting about you and the conversation we've had is that you know, there's a trend now with a lot of the lawyers who are coming onto the space or anyone who's coming onto the space who's focusing on just like new entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs. But I really loved how you are um, really offering advice and services to people who might still enjoy working for firms or working for a corporation or working a traditional quote unquote nine to five or working for someone else too, but still might need some of those leadership skills because, you know, it's very easy, especially after the pandemic for everyone to be like, oh, I'm just going to start my own business. But at the end of the day, if everybody was meant to start their own business, then we wouldn't have like a lot of the amazing support that we really need to bring great businesses to life. So I love that you are um, still focused on, you know, making working for other people too more enjoyable, working at a law firm 
the most enjoyable that it can be, right? Like you don't need to quit your job to be happy. And I think that's something that you align with. So I would love to hear more about that. Yeah, so um, I didn't answer your question. <laughs> I'll introduce <laughs> myself and, and uh, tell everyone yes, a little bit about who I am and uh, what I do. So as you can tell from the accent, I am from the UK and I practiced in the UK as an employment lawyer. It's a top tier firm. Um, I spent a bit of time at the BBC, Baker McKenzie, and then I worked at a boutique travel law firm specializing in employment law um so that was my life in England I was pretty successful at um practicing as a lawyer I was I won awards I was offered partnership before the age of 30 but what I started to realize during that journey was I was actually not living my own dream I went into the law because that was something that my parents, my family expected of me. Um, And so I was on this path. Um, And one day I kind of woke up and was like, hey, is is this actually really my destiny and my future? Um, Around the same time that all of this kind of identity crisis for me was happening, my husband came home from work and he had just been offered this amazing opportunity to go and work in California. And so now I live in Silicon Valley and I have been here for seven years and I was really presented with this opportunity to reinvent. And what I discovered when I did the deep work was that really my destiny was to become a coach. And now I specialize in coaching lawyers who are leaders, who are striving to be the best lawyer and the best leader that they can possibly be without sacrificing the things that are important to them, like time with the family, like doing hobbies and fun things that perhaps sometimes as lawyers we kind of get distracted from and we get sucked into this kind of corporate environment where you have the billable hours requirements of like 2000 plus hours a year and it's just not that sustainable so I coach lawyers on how to really thrive in those kinds of environments and I just really love the work that I do um, and I think you, you just made a really amazing point um, that really entrepreneurship is not for everyone. Becoming a founder is not for everyone. Um, but there are entrepreneurial opportunities within organizations where really you can create a career of your dreams, like within law firms, if you follow a certain strategy. So uh Yeah, that's a little bit about me. I love that you said that because, you know, there's so many creative ways to use the skills that you have, even if it doesn't look like what opportunities you think that you were given or like, you know, a lot of people think, oh, if I have a law degree, like I have to be a lawyer or I have to start over. And that's not true at all. And even again, for the people who might not be lawyers listening to this episode, if you have other skill sets, um, I promise you that if you get like creative with the ways that you're thinking, 
um, you can translate those without feeling quote unquote, like you need to start over. Um, so I would love to know um, a little bit about what you do today, because I know from our past conversation that you do something really exciting. You work with um, some really exciting companies and um, I would love to hear about, you know, maybe the new innovative ways that people are thinking about, you know, offering legal services mm. or being lawyers, because even if you do work for another company, based on the conversation I've had with Charlotte and what she's probably about to tell us, there are some big companies that are trying to be innovative too. So let's talk about that a little. Yeah. So the first thing that I want to pick up on is, you know, we may have listeners today that perhaps have got a law degree, but haven't necessarily become a lawyer or, you know, they're, they're working in a different sector. Um, and really what we have seen probably since like 2014, really, is this huge acceleration in terms of legal tech companies that have been launched. And there's so many opportunities within the legal tech space where you don't necessarily need to be a lawyer. And in fact, having skills in marketing, in um, you know, coding, engineering, and so on, are really beneficial when you are working in those spaces. And what I'm actually seeing is a mass exodus of um, lawyers who have followed the traditional path and perhaps are working in big law actually leave to go and work at a legal tech company and business development and so on. So I think that that's something that's incredibly exciting and interesting. And there is so much innovation in the legal tech space, contract, life cycle, management tools that have um, been developed. So it's really simple to actually create um, hundreds and hundreds of contracts and to be able to review them and um, analyze for data so that you can kind of report to the general counsel what 500 contracts, what the common terms are in there. Um, so it, it really is fascinating, the legal tech space. Another area that I see growing um, very rapidly is new law. And I believe that phrase was coined by some uh, like Australian legal innovator. And so new law is typically individuals that again have left big law because of like the rigidity of um, the system and structure and they are launching high level you know high quality work um, practices so they're delivering legal services but they have um, they're creating a culture that is more human-centric and so that has certainly been accelerated because of covid now people are working more flexibly and remotely. And it's not frowned upon as much as perhaps in the past where um, you, know, you were expected to be in the office at 7 a.m. and you know, be there and, and really be leaving at seven, eight o'clock at night. So these law firms are being developed to take into account mothers, people that require flexible schedules, perhaps they have caring responsibilities, perhaps from a health and well-being standpoint, they actually have just decided that doing, you know, the full-time 
um, gig in the way that, that it's set up is just not beneficial to their health and well-being. So there's so much innovation really going on in the legal space. Um, I, I think one thing that I know that we connected on as well was bringing project management and agile systems, which I know you kind of touch upon in your CEO skills program, um, bringing those kind of systems to the legal profession. And so that's an area of growth that I've been seeing recently as well, which I think is very cool. I love that. I mean, I love the concept of a new law firm. I think that a lot of people, I mean, even for this profession to survive, even the people who are coming up as lawyers now, who are in law school now, they're going to have their eyes open to other opportunities that even when I was just starting out, like I wasn't aware of. So in order for us to make sure that this industry leads with integrity, we need to make it more attractive to people because it's not attractive when people can just go out and become an influencer or go out and become like, you know, a coach themselves or something like we need to make working at a law firm still desirable for people because providing legal services is necessary, regardless mm -hmm. of like what kind of industry or what kind of situation people find themselves in. So I think that's really interesting. And I think um, especially if people are, you know, maybe thinking about, should I go to law school or is it worth it? Having, you know, an open mind to all the different ways that you can use your law degree, I think might make that decision easier because um, you hear all the time about people who regret uh, going to law school, but you don't hear a lot of the people who speak up about regretting not going and I think that it's still a very valuable um, education to have and very valuable skill set. And I still very much encourage people to pursue this path. I know that. Yeah, yeah. I think one, one of the, the best things that we all can do, um, and especially when we are exploring the legal profession and I think this applies like at all levels of the profession is to really cultivate that mindset of innovation mm. and by doing that by thinking like how can I do this differently how can I create efficiencies how can I you know improve the culture of the team that I am working in make this a more positive fun place to work how can I stop my team from going down the path of burnout? When we can start to ask these questions and have this mindset of innovation to figure out solutions to these problems, then really that is going to stand you in good stead for whatever you do in your career, be that practicing in, in private practice, be that being an in-house lawyer, um, or going off and doing something entirely different. Right. Because if you have that, mindset for innovation like when I started my firm I was just a girl with a law degree like working for other law firms like you know I was just working for other people and thinking all the time about how much my time felt wasted or how I really wish I had that hour to go to yoga class if I wasn't sitting here doing this dumb thing that's taking me way longer than it needs to take right or, you know, thinking about things that just 
like you said, efficiencies, workflow. It doesn't have to be innovating the whole legal profession in general, although incidentally, like by opening up a template shop or something, you know, you could in a way do that. But I think what you said is really important because it's it will translate to no matter what you do, because as I was sitting there thinking about selfishly how I could make my life easier, that led me to create a offer that ended up really being innovated for clients and making their lives easier. And so that sense of like looking for efficiencies and looking to do things differently made it very attractive for other people to want to work with me, even though I was just starting out, even though I was only a lawyer for like three years at that time. Right. So those skills translate well. And I think those are very valuable because people can, people want to work with people, whether it's as, you know, a business or whether it's as like, you know, a manager, if you're, you know, in a typical corporate structure, people enjoy working with people who aren't there to try to waste your time, who are there to try to make everything just like easier for everybody. And I think that like interpersonal kind of relationship uh, is something that you can't teach. You have to kind of like, just have that open mindset for, um, does that kind of like, I feel like translate to some of the things that you teach to people when you're talking about leadership? Cause for me, I am not the best at leading a team. I'm still new to that, but I'm, I think I'm great at like leading, you know, the vision for a company or something. And so I would love to learn from you about how maybe those kinds of like innovation skills and all those things translate to, uh, leading a team and like managing people, whether it's clients or whether it's people who work with you. Yeah, so a couple of things that I want to touch upon. Um, so I'm based in Silicon Valley, the heart of innovation in many ways. And I have had the pleasure of working with clients that you know work at Apple and Netflix and LinkedIn as in-house lawyers. So it's really fascinating to see how the leaders, the general counsel in those teams are encouraging their lawyers to innovate and there's a really great podcast that people can check out um we are netflix with the general counsel david hyman and he um really talks about structuring his legal team and i don't know if you ever saw the um the show stranger things a kind of cult classic now and lots of uh, bars were popping up that did not have the stamp of approval um, from Netflix, Stranger Thing bars and themed bars and so there was an IP issue there and so instead of sending cease and desist letters that are you know aggressive and have that kind of like negative energy, cease doing whatever and we'll sue you, they actually shifted it so that they made the cease and desist letter really fun and they got their points across you know please don't do this otherwise you know we'll we'll have to have words but they were able to deliver that with fun and 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 therefore like the the strategy around that helped them to maintain a really positive relationship with their community and so that's a really great example of just how to innovate um, when dealing with litigation and dealing with quite you know, draining 
catabolic areas of law. Um, and I think one thing that I teach my clients, like every single person that I work with, one of the first steps that we take is we go through an energy leadership assessment. And so the energy leadership assessment helps us to identify where we're, where, how we're feeling and how we show up. And you know how you were just describing before you launched your own law firm, you were doing these different roles and you were kind of feeling stuck and frustrated. Right. Now a and lot resentful. of people and resentful, right? A lot of people get stuck in their lives and their careers and they get into this space where they feel really, you know, number one, level one energy. It's feeling like, I don't know how to get myself out of this situation. I'm helpless. Maybe you start to beat yourself up. I'm a terrible person. I should know better. I'm pathetic. You know, that voice is playing. It's our inner critic voice. And so that's level one energy. Level two energy is being frustrated. Like, why are they taking advantage of me? Why are they sending, you know, I've already done 60 hours this week and they keep asking me to do more and more and more. It's not fair. It's impacting my health. You know, so it's that frustrated, angry, outwardly directed energy. So this assessment shows us where we go to when we're in our stress reaction. And then it also shows us where else we could be. And I think the example that you just gave um, of when you were launching your business and you started to create contract templates to make your life more simple, but then actually you figured out, okay, I can make a business out of this. I can generate income. That is a higher level energy. That's the levels five and six energy in this assessment. And really that's the energy of being an entrepreneur it's of being able to you know okay f shit happens sometimes but how do I make the most out of this situation how do I really take this situation and make the best out of it so you know COVID is a perfect example as well where you know when it happened there were a lot of people that went into the kind of level one and level two energies of like oh my gosh, like, you know, what is going to happen to me? I'm, my business is over. But the most successful businesses that were out there were like, okay, this has happened. How can we take this situation and make the most of it? Like, for example, Zoom that we're recording on right now, they made a lot of money in COVID because everyone shifted and they were, they were able to pivot very quickly. Um, you know, and, and generate more clients as a result of the situation. So when we can start to think about where our mindset is at and where our energy is at, then really that is going to help us in our careers. I love so many things that you said about that because I could totally bring myself back to those experiences of when I was working for other people too and like thinking about the frustration and thinking about how, um, my energy levels would like be stagnant, right? Because I was feeling stuck. Like I was, I remember so vividly leaving the office at like midnight one night, really thinking on my parkway drive home because I knew I had to show up back there at like 8.30 in the morning. Should I just drive my car into the fucking into the trees over there like, I'm not like suicidal but you know what I mean I'm just like maybe mm -hmm. I'm just what if I just you know? mm -hmm. like really just having those frustrations and 
I love that you said like, it's, it is your own energy levels because it's not necessarily what's happening outside of you. It's how you're feeling energetically inside that's making you have those reactions. Because like you said, shit happens. There could be something that is a legit emergency, especially in the law. Like a lot of what people deal with in like other businesses, things aren't emergencies. It's not life or death. It's not whatever. Sometimes in law, we literally have situations where we have very, very short timelines. We have, you know, a lot of money, which impacts a lot of people's livelihoods being taken it, you know, into consideration. And so sometimes you just need to put yourself in the situation of, or put yourself into the energy level of getting the task accomplished. And then, uh, but, but if our energy levels are so, um, feeling stuck and stagnant and we're feeling this frustration and we're feeling all these negative quote unquote emotions that can prevent us from actually getting the job done, which at the end of the day is like at that moment, the most important thing, not just for us, but for the people and the businesses that it impacts. So I really like that, uh, energy level, energy ladder assessment that you're kind of talking about. And the other thing that I kind of want to, um, shift maybe and see your perspective on is how that impacts other people, right? Because some of the people who are on this, listening to this episode might just be working for themselves right now. They might not have a team, but they might remember what it was like working for a manager or working for a boss who they didn't have their energy in check, or they didn't have their emotions under control. And that was most of the time, the worst part of the job. Like, it's not a matter of, okay, at my worst job, I had to clean toilets. It's like, no, not only did I have to clean toilets, but the person who was hiring me was so nasty. They would like tell me I had to clean toilets. Like I was, you know, the worst piece of garbage in the world. Like most of the time, the reason why we don't like what we do is because of the people. So how do you um, suggest that when we're doing this energy assessment, like how can we kind of use this when we're thinking about the energy of the other people that we're working with as well? So I'm happy, by the way, to provide you some information of the seven different levels so that you can put it in the show notes so people can check that out. Thank you. Um, but number one, once you are aware of the seven different energy levels, you can think, okay, well, how is that different individual exhibiting? Like, are they showing up as being really angry? <laughs> They're in that level two energy. And, you know, you can think about like, what, you know, why are they showing up like that? Um, but more deeply, their behavior is not about you it's about them and that doesn't make it any easier necessarily to work under them to work in in an environment with them and the reality is that sometimes we may end up working in really toxic work environments and if it is the case that you have assessed like i'm working in a toxic work environment then that may not be the right place for you. And it may be appropriate for you to consider what your exit strategy is and, and you know, what is the best way to find a new job or perhaps take on consulting work. 
So sometimes, you know, difficult decisions have to be made for sure. But, you know, let's say hypothetically, you're working in an environment where your boss is being toxic, but you need to stay in that job. The money is important and you're going to start looking, but right now you need to stay there until you secure another job. Really being able to establish boundaries and start to say no when, um, you know, someone has overextended. That is really important. And I, I love um, some of your videos really where you talk about exercising boundaries with clients who overstep. That is really important. And a lot of us, myself included, um, really had attributes of being a people pleaser. And so I found it quite difficult for a long time, really, until I started to do the deep work to actually say no, to actually say, you know, I am at full capacity. Can you pass this on to someone else, for example? Um, but, but there's a lesson there for us to start cultivating our confidence and to start speaking up and we can start small and we can come push back and when we have small victories when it comes to building boundaries then our confidence grows and really that is powerful and, and I, I think one of the most important things that we can all do as individuals as leaders um, as parents you know, to really demonstrate being excellent role models is to really respect our own boundaries. And I think that when we don't respect our own boundaries, this is the level four energy. We go into that helper mode. I just want to help. I'm going to stay in the office till 3 a.m. because I want to help. And sometimes that might be necessary in a legal career, but it shouldn't be, it should be the exception rather than the rule. And when mm. it becomes the rule, you have a boundaries issue. And so therefore... You know, when you are in that helper space and you just want to serve, serve, people, please, people, please, what happens is you get to the back of the list and everyone else's needs are being served other than your own. And that's unhealthy. And that's going to kick you down into that sense of feeling stuck and frustrated. So we have to be aware of our energy. Am I showing up and, um, you know, people pleasing too much? okay, something needs to change. And then we take the small steps to shift and to change that. I just had like a crazy flashback to one of my worst jobs working at a law firm as you were talking about like, oh, you step into that help mode and then I just want to help and it doesn't hurt any, it doesn't help anyone. Like it really doesn't. I remember I worked at this law firm where I, our hours were nine to seven. So you could not leave at five o'clock, like if you left before seven o'clock, it was as if you were asking to leave at three o'clock, right? And we all know how that goes. Yeah. So our hours were nine to seven and there was a project that had to be done where uh, they asked me if I could, or they told me rather, like, you got to come in tomorrow on Saturday. And I remember I had tickets to go see a concert with all my friends in Brooklyn at like 3 p.m., let's say. And I was there at around like 9 a.m. And I thought, okay, I could probably get out of here by like one o'clock, 1230 rolls around. And I realized I had made a big mistake. First of all, I was also doing like accounting work. It was like, I was like calculating damages and like doing like Excel and math and all these things that I was like, I am not qualified to do. But anyway, they were having me do it. 
and I made a mistake and it was just me and two partners at the firm there on that Saturday. And I remember getting like frustrated with their reaction. They were like very upset with me that I made this mistake and asked me to do it over. And I kindly said like, oh no, I actually have to leave. And they're like, you don't get a free pass because you came in on a Saturday. The deadline is still whatever day you came in on a Saturday. And I was like, but I came in on a Saturday. Da, 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 da. They were like, no, you don't get a free pass because you came in on Saturday. You still made the mistake. You need to stay until it's fixed. And I was just like, so mad. I was like shaking. Of course I went back into my office and I fixed it. And I showed up late to the concert with my friends. And I remember that was like the first time I actually tried to set a boundary and was just like, I can't believe me going out of my way for people doesn't affect it at all. Like it doesn't Mm -hmm. take into consideration at all that I went out of my way for these people. Like if anything, it made it worse, right? That I went out of my way for these people. I didn't have to, I didn't have to come in on a Saturday, right? And I just remember like that experience must have like subconsciously stuck with me because that's something that I have as a principle today when I do talk about boundaries is has, is like, Sometimes, yes, you go out of your way for people and it's very much appreciated, but I feel like a majority of the times when you enter into that people pleaser or that I just want to help mentality, most of the time it actually ends up biting you in the butt and it goes overlooked. And so now I take the the boundary, the perspective of like, I don't mind going out of my way for people if they don't ask me to, or like, if like, I want it to be in my control and my discretion and me to use my intuition and my heart and my energy to see, okay, I want to help this person versus if someone's like telling me or guilting me or shaming me that I should help them. Those are the situations where it's never going to be appreciated, no matter how many times you bend over backwards, no matter how many sacrifices you make, and it's just going to hurt you more in the long run. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, number one, potential to toxic culture. <laughs> number two. <laughs> that was a horrible um, work culture. <laughs> lawyers do not receive leadership training. They don't typically receive never. leadership training. They've never really worked with a leadership coach. Um, it is not like, you know, working at the different consultancy firms, the big five, let's say, where um, at KPMG, for example, they have one executive coach for each four director level individuals. So there's a real emphasis there on how to be a leader. That typically doesn't happen so much in law firms. And really, there is this culture that is a really negative culture of scaring the living daylights out of junior lawyers. If you make a, you know, and we've all heard the stories, if you make a mistake, the comma was placed in the wrong point. And, you know, now they are sued for professional negligence. And, you know, examples that you just gave really, there really is a need for um, leadership training in law firms so that this doesn't happen because the, the challenge and the problem is that the legal profession loses some of their best, most innovative talent that really they could have retained and it could have been hugely beneficial for business. So um, yeah, that is one of the, the um, problems that I am seeking to solve in the work that I do. That's so important. And you're absolutely right, because I know so many of my friends who decided not to move forward with 
you know, working at a firm, you're absolutely right. Like they are all like the most creative people or they're all like, they're all the most multifaceted people, not just the people who can sit with their nose in the book and like behind a screen all day. Like the people who firms usually lose or any business really, it doesn't matter if we're talking about law firms or not. Like the people who you lose based on bad leadership are the people who think outside the box or the people who try to color outside the lines and try something new are the people who have like a lot of different interests and who bring a lot of different perspectives. Um, and I think that's what makes this time of being in any kind of career really great because it's the first time in a really long time, if ever, that we're kind of inviting all these different perspectives and asking you to mold them into whatever you're trying to do. Like we're a lot more open now in the legal field. Well, not a lot more. We're more open yeah. in the legal field. Yeah. We're still not yeah. like, we're no like, you know, marketing firm or anything, but mm -hmm. like, we're a little bit more open to people having other perspectives. Right. And so I think that it really, like we were kind of alluding to like poor leadership or lack of leadership skills really can make or break a business because of the fact that most people, when they quit, or most people, when they go a different direction, it's because of the interpersonal conflicts that they've had. And sometimes that leaves such a bad taste in their mouth that they don't even bother to look for another job and make a lateral transfer. They may even just mm -hmm. give up on that career. And so mm -hmm. I think uh, what you're doing is really important. Yeah. yeah, no, I completely agree with you. And it's, it's such a shame. Um, but hopefully that is really going to shift and change. And yeah, there's a place for lawyers who do have that attention to detail and, um, you know, I for dotting, <laughs> dotting every I and crossing every T makes a lot of sense. But there is also a really important role and space for lawyers that are innovative. And so when we can start to think about what culture we're creating in a legal team, how the leaders are best equipped, like, how diverse is our team? Because mm. another thing that we actually see in the legal profession, I think, um, you know, there's, there's the horrifying statistic that there have been more black presidents in the United States than uh, like percentage wise of, um, than equi equity partners in law firms. Like, so the, the legal profession has this horrific diversity problem that, some firms are doing some really great work on, but if we don't have diverse teams, then how are we really gonna create innovative, creative solutions to our clients' legal problems? And so um, there's a lot of work that is needed to be done. Absolutely. Because I think, you know, especially for people who might come from, you know, marginalized backgrounds, when they tend to, just based on my conversations with people from law school, when they tend to enter into the law, they tend to be very issue driven and very focused on, you know, making reforms and then moving into working for, let's say, a prosecutor's office or the government or the city law department or the city council or something where they feel that they can make a difference based on where they came from, where their background was, what they've seen happen, right? They go into immigration law, they go into all these other areas. And I think just as much as those areas need reform, we need diversity in 
typical big law firms or typical corporate law firms because, or typical corporations even, because like those are the people who are working to make in, like indirectly a lot of the policies that affect other things that happen, right? Like there, it's where a lot of the money is. And if you follow the money, like we always were taught in lobbying, like follow the money, it always goes back to like the richest people, you know, the 1%. And we need more people to have a passion to go into that space too. And it absolutely does stem from the leadership position. If you look at those big companies, if you look at the hiring boards of those firms and you see that it's all like, you know, all the partners are like, four older, you know, 55 plus white guys and like one lady who maybe is like 47 or something, then like, you know, if I'm coming from a marginalized background, I'm not going to think I have a shot at that firm. Right. And so I feel like it, it, you know, just as much as we have a lot of people with bleeding hearts going into and trying to make a change in these other areas of the law, we just as much need that for people wanting to go and make a difference in corporations as well. Um, so just a little bit of like encouraging or just advice for people who are looking to go into law school. Um, and the last thing I also wanna say about that diversity issue is there's a great organization um, on, or a great Instagram account at least that I follow called Black Girls Do Law. And they have an amazing community to kind of raise awareness about the lack of diversity, especially for black women um, or people who identify as women in the legal space, because like that, I think it's, I don't even know the percentage, but it's like a staggering, disgusting percentage of yes. lawyers in the U.S. Yeah. who are <laughs> Black women. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. leadership, it just, it plays such a role in attracting candidates and in understanding these candidates and then bringing those perspectives to working with clients. Yeah. And I really believe that the remote working, um, you know, everything that has happened over the past like 18 months with the, you know, civil rights movement and George Floyd, like there is progress and you can see it in um, some of the Silicon Valley organizations and, and really, um, you know, maybe I'm ever the optimist, but let's hope that we're moving in the right direction. Well, it's great to hear that from, you know, the inside perspective that you through working with some of your clients have on those companies, because from like, you know, we see the consumer's perspective. And I, this is what I love about being a lawyer. If you're ever thinking about it, like we see so many things behind the scenes that are not like public knowledge that are not um, for better or worse. We see the scandals and we see the good intentions. We see the bad intentions, the good intentions. We see a lot of the things happen behind the scenes that the public might not have, but they might not be privy to, or they might only see the court of public opinion. Like they might not see what actually are some of the, you know, facts of the matter. So I really do love that about the profession, about seeing like the behind the scenes things and having as a lawyer, you get to attend some of these meetings. Like you, if, especially if you're like in the general counsel space or something and you do decide to go into corporate law, which of course is like every top 14 law students dream, but you know, don't give up on your dreams if that's your dream too. Um, even though there's other cool things you could do, but you do get to 
be part of these really cool conversations. And lawyers are the original, you know, consultants, original mentors, original, like, you know, people who kind of guide you when you're making business decisions. So I do think that there's a lot of room for change and innovation, like you're mentioning, um, even if you go into corporate law. So I think that is a big takeaway too from this conversation. Like you don't just need to go into immigration policy or you don't just need to go work for the Legal Aid Society. You can try and get those jobs making over six figure salary at a corporate law firm and still make change if you have you know alignment with those innovative policies and if some law firms like hopefully <laughs> make, <Yeah. laughs> don't just keep doing what they're doing. Um, but I think that's all, you know, very encouraging to know that there are firms and companies trying to, you know, change their policies, change their, you know, HR policies, change their leadership policies. And so I would love to know a little bit more about your work with not only like when you go in and talk to some of these companies, but I understand that you work with individuals as well. So what are some of the things that you do and what are, what are some of the things um, that people come to you for when they are looking for this kind of like leadership or, or balance or, you know, fulfillment from you? Yeah. So when I work with I'm going to say one-to-one -one clients, but actually a lot of this translates to the work that I do with legal teams as well. It's really, we begin by figuring out where they are. Often, you know, people come to you with a problem. So they may be feeling that stuck, that frustration, and they are ready to make a change and they're ready to do the work to make the change. And that's really important because if you haven't got to that point, of being ready to do the work and coaching is not going to work for you <laughs> so they come to me with a problem maybe that is that they are feeling frustrated they're feeling stuck in their career and they want to make shifts and make changes so we get started by looking at what's going on a client of mine working in a really big international law firm recently came to me working 100 plus hour weeks. So we did the diagnostic, we figured out where all of her time was going to be spending 100 hours a week working um, because that doesn't leave much time for sleeping. <laughs> so, you know, we figure out what's going on. Then we figure out, okay, well, what is the vision? What do you actually want for your life and for your career to look like? Who do you want to be as a leader? Um, a lot of people have never really asked themselves, who am I as a leader? What attributes do I really admire? So we start to kind of tease out all of that information. And some of the things that I do include getting really fun and creative. Let's make a vision board of what you want your life and career to look like. So we do those fun activities because that helps to create the energetic shift from feeling stuck to feeling in a good place and feeling like, perhaps this is possible for me. We figure out the practical elements, like who do you wanna be as a leader? And then we start to work on mindset and strategy. So mindset is figuring out how to curb the voice that is saying, hey, that's not possible for you. Hey, who do you think you are thinking that you can work 
40 hour weeks in this international law firm. And actually we figure out that that is possible and um, we can make that happen. So we do a lot of mindset work. Um, I help to eliminate the imposter syndrome because I do believe it's really important to combine mindset and then strategy. And you know, you can have the best strategy in the world, but without the right mindset, then it's not going to work. You're not going to be able to implement it. But, you know, on the, the other side of the coin, if you have a brilliant mindset, but your strategy is weak, then again, not going to work. So we do the mindset work. We do the strategy. Strategy involves, um, I do a lot of work on Asana. So we'll map out like what needs to happen for the next quarter what are your goals we start to build those out um you know developing your team and so on and, and that's the journey really that I take clients on um and I typically work in 90 day cycles which I think is a really great container for making an impact I love what you said I mean I love everything I agree with everything you said but I really love what you said about that mindset shift about who am I to be working only 40 hours a week or something like that and I truly have a realization now at this point even in my business that the key to me working less hours and to work smarter not harder is by learning to delegate better and by having and building a better team and like being a better communicator and like that's how you work less hours right by building that team by being more resourceful and so I definitely see the synergy between you positioning yourself as a leadership trainer and someone who helps individuals focus with like work-life balance and things like that because if you're trying to take your if you're trying to do all of your billable hours like if they have a billable hour requirement and they only have like you know so many hours that they want to sit at a firm, they need to be more resourceful, they need to be more efficient. And that might mean being more of a better leader or finding automation or doing other things inside the parameters of their firm to kind of like strike that balance, thinking outside the box, thinking more innovatively. So mm -hmm. I, I think that's really excellent because a lot of people are, um, they're at the stage of, their career or their life or their business where they're realizing, uh, especially after COVID, there's a lot more in life. Like life is so precious. Life is so short. Um, I don't really want to be spending a hundred hours. A week. I don't even know how many hours there are in a week. I kind of want to yeah. do math. So I'm, I'm um, about the four hour work week rather than the hundred hour yeah, work exactly. week. Exactly. <laughs> but again, I think it, it makes, it means you need to be a little more like strategic and like you said, and have that Delegate, mindset work yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah, so that's yeah. really excellent. Um, I've loved talking to you. I've loved learning all about what you do. Um, if there are any people in the audience who want to learn more about what you do, do you have any kinds of offerings coming up that uh, lawyers or leaders can learn from you? Yeah, so in fact, I am launching a mastermind that is going to take us um, late August through December. So it's the perfect way to finish out the year strong and to kind of make all of those goals a reality. Um, and that is, you can find out more information on my Instagram profile and on my website, which is Charlotte, 
hyphensmith.com. Sorry, mental blank there. <laughs> um, but yeah, you can find it on my Instagram. Um, Nina is also going to be coming on my podcast soon, which Yay. is the Limitless Lawyer podcast. Um, so definitely check out the podcast if you are interested in hearing more legal focused content. Um, and yeah, I just really want to say thank you for yeah inviting me to have this conversation with you it was such fun of course and yeah likewise thank you for inviting me to soon be on your podcast um for those of you who uh do want to check out charlotte her instagram is also limitless lawyer right is it the limitless lawyer or just limitless lawyer it's limitless underscore lawyer lawyer um and she has a lot of great content especially if you're i know for me when i was like working at a desk and you know, back in like 2016, 2017, before everybody was working as a business coach or something like I was really just sitting there trying to escape my reality by scrolling on Instagram and looking for people to inspire me to make a change. And I didn't have other lawyers to look up to. There was no other lawyers using Instagram. So um, if you do feel like you are the type of person who loves Instagram or loves like, you know, podcasts and loves that kind of like self-help content to motivate you, I definitely recommend following Charlotte, listening to her podcast, um, and even just like reaching out about something like the mastermind where maybe you can learn through other people in the mastermind as well and other lawyers from all of their diverse experiences and their careers. It's probably people of all different types of career paths as lawyers. So um, I, I, I'm very grateful for lawyers like you in the space because I just know how it was like not having anyone like that. Yeah. So thank you so much again for everything you do. Thank you again for coming on the podcast. And I will definitely link to your Instagram page and your website where people can find out more information about the services that you offer and what you do. Thank you. <laughs> Yay. All right, guys. Well, thank you for tuning in to CEO Skills Radio. And as Charlotte mentioned, keep an eye out for her podcast. And I'll let you all know when I'm on hers there as well. I think we'll, we'll be talking about systems and things to make your life kind of continuing the conversation about efficiency, etc. So keep in, uh, keep in touch. I was almost going to say keep tuned stay tuned my brain's like not working it's 4 p.m here but uh have a beautiful day everyone and thanks for coming in thanks charlotte thank you